Welcome, welcome, everybody. Hey. And welcome to another episode of the Back Row Lessons podcast. Back Row Lessons. Back Row Lessons. <laughs> uh, shout outs to all our kings, queens, and everyone in betweens for yeah. tuning in for another great episode. Uh, I do have to start out this episode with a confessional, and I am so sorry. Confessional? Confessional time. There was a lie in last week's episode. I know you we fucking liar. I know. The lie was that at the end when we were doing our kind of housekeeping at the end, I said it was the tenth episode, but I was wrong. <laughs> it was only the ninth episode, so that makes this our tenth episode Woo! and we can properly celebrate. Woo! Yeah, we survived <laughs> ten episodes. Either. I guess I'm a piece of shit as well. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> it showed up as uploading the tenth file because of the uh, update thing but this is the 10th full episode of this podcast so somehow we've survived that far uh i know a lot of celebrity podcasts that don't even get to 10 episodes so we can wear that as our badge of Ooh, honor this wait, week like who? <sighs> <laughs> i just need one example i didn't mean to put you on the spot oh um i know like some athletes they will start podcasts do a couple episodes and then kind of just teeter out like <laughs> when the season it, everyone's going to listen to them yeah i mean when <laughs> actual their real jobs of playing sports or doing you know that kind of stuff comes in they're like maybe i should do that more than the podcast that pays me millions <laughs> of dollars not podcasting uh but on that amazing note we just want to say thanks everyone for your listens your reviews oh, everyone so grateful we're just pressing ahead oh. as we uh go through this first season here mm -hmm. uh but again we just love it when if you can rate review wherever oh yeah whatever application you are using give us five stars five stars follow us on instagram follow us write us a letter yeah that would be fun yeah that would be I'm, weird but I'm we'll enjoy it de definitely <laughs> there we go definitely looking forward to what everyone is bringing to the post execution potluck Ooh. That's what we were talking <laughs> about last week. So just before Did we, we talk about what it would bring, uh, I believe you said chicken wings. Yeah, I would bring some and chicken I wings. And I said uh, pigs in a blanket. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I would also bring a dip, maybe mm. like a queso dip, because I feel like there probably would be something at the potluck that would be... Uh, just improved with queso yeah. dip. I guess yeah. I would bring like a six pack of beer. You should always assume oh, to bring your good. own beer. Yeah, BYOB. That mm -hmm. would be a great point. Uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, if it's a big old communal thing, you probably could just bring enough for yourself yeah. and everyone else would is have Is there a their... potluck this week? Actually, there is a potluck. It's nice. A, it's uh, not as ceremonial as the previous execution, but there will be a potluck okay. afterwards. Uh, but a quick, <laughs> we can do our quick little disclaimer before uh. we get into the funness. Uh, this is a podcast that contains humor mm -hmm. and history. Dry, awkward humor from Terrible people humor. that are just want to be comedians, but we're going to try anyway. Yeah. We're trying here. That's why we started a podcast like about middle history. Middle schoolers could be funnier than us, but we're still going to try to be funnier. I mean, I am a middle schooler, so one day I'll get there. <laughs> Everything here I've researched besides that little slip up about episode numbering. I'm trying my best to make sure what we have here probably happened uh, <laughs> i'm not making anything up yeah i'm not like that sucks let me go a different route here. yeah because we don't make this shit up we, that was that was a great let's try that <laughs> let's try that again because we 
Don't make this shit up. No, that's not even what we're trying to say. Oh, God. We can't make this shit up. We can't make this shit up. All right. That is definitely going to be staying in the episode. (laughs) So what we said last week, Nolan, innocently, was we can't make this shit up. so innocent. So innocent. (laughs) And that's, I think, probably going to be the the show's tagline from now Mm -hmm. on. So let's try that again in unison. One, two. we don't or we... We can't. We can't. We can't. All right. Okay. Three, two, two one. one. We, we can't, can't make, make this, this shit up. up. All right. There we go. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. And on that, just <laughs> that was a beautiful note. That's like if you're playing, you know, Guitar Hero and you just hit uh, right on the button. Let's jump you're right on. Expert mode. You just got expert. It all. Yeah. You know, shredding through it. the fire and the flames. A great. Oh God, I couldn't even get through that on medium. <laughs> uh, but. Let's jump on in. Last week, where we ended, was a couple executions. Yeah, uh, some heads on spikes, right? Heads on spikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of death. It was such a wonderful affair. So great. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna kind of. This is it, the first time we're recording this. Last time should hopefully be the last time we yeah, record this, that episode three times. Yeah, it was third time's a charm, and luckily it took. This is going to be the first time's a charm. Yeah. Because we n- neither we... you and I have the time for a second recording, <laughs> yeah. so this is what we're going we with. We got our recording down, hopefully. If Fingers not, it's going to get better. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> if it gets worse, that will be an interesting revelation. But Henry, we're, we're going to be talking about a little Was bit. Was it Henry the 15th? Henry the 20th? Or? Pretty much at this. I bet there's probably a Henry the 20th it's in the England. the 8th or 5th. It's always one it's of those the two. Eighth. I always it. get kind of confused because it's... Like Roman numerals wise, it's with the three eyes. <laughs> it's one before it goes right before it, so it's always even not weird. with like even like not with the Roman numerals. I should have it down by now. Yeah, at this point, my Google autocorrect just if I type in H goes to Henry the Eighth at this point. <laughs> but uh, he wasn't just getting married. The kind of picture we've kind of presented the past couple episodes mm-hmm. is just a guy getting married. And yeah, then, he's our ninety day fiance, Big Ed, like he, in the he is ages. our yeah, he is our drama. He is our reality show mm-hmm. star. Uh, but he is a complex man. He wasn't just uh, getting married. He wasn't just getting divorced. He wasn't just finding new ways to kill his wife. He was also invading every country around him he Mm. is a big fan of warfare and this episode is going to be a little bit on this nice get some action get some action here the so this is a big thing in the english kingdom uh for pretty much everyone he's not the one always personally fighting other people have to fight for him Mm. yes yes give me those weird (laughs) eyes there uh from only the fans could see only the fans i'll live from the back row lessons you guys don't know this but we have lawn talks and paul's just trying to convince me to wear clothes while we do this i know he's but just now i want to be comfortable in my own skin i know i'm i just <laughs> can't stop making eye contact with his nipples they're just right <laughs> below the screen I have a hairy chest and i only shave where my nipples are so oh they God. just glisten pop it just reflecting <laughs> the light here it's cold in here <laughs> the funny thing is it's not yeah <laughs> Uh, it's very hot, but what are we talking about? Warfare. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's, let's go back to the warfare. Everyone from nipples to warfare. Welcome to back row lessons. Uh, from pretty much the start of his reign and kind of when he started to take over. Uh, he's in bad health at this point, still, at, right? At the end of his life, yes. Okay, uh, but at so, this point, he's at. Bad, he's still like he's just getting worse and worse. Yep. Yeah, in the forties, fifteen forties, he's pretty much on the downward slope of Mm -hmm. his life throughout the entire kind of ascent and descent of his life one Mm -hmm. thing that has been consistent is just how much he has gone 
to war and how madly expensive it is. Mm. Uh, one campaign, or I'm sorry, three large expeditions and two smaller ones, but one pretty much just campaign or theater uh, from 1511 to 1514 cost over £900,000 at that time. What? Yeah, that's how much a warfare cost. And he already wastes money on weddings. Yes. <laughs> so how I talked, just I mentioned it very briefly last week when I was talking about how broke he was. Yeah. The other part from why he was so broke, not just was the weddings, it was all the warfare. And we're going to get into <laughs> how he got to marrying his fifth wife really quickly in a really sham palace pretty much mm. so that first theater over three years cost over nine hundred thousand pounds and that's not inflated that's at that time so if you take nine hundred thousand pounds from the 1500s and translate it today it's probably a shit load and then two decades later pretty much from 1539 to 1547 so the last couple years when we've talked about wars and stuff like that that time it cost over two million pounds oh my god so you don't include 20 years, and it's already approaching 3 million pounds that he could have spent anywhere else not making his people die. <laughs> Pretty much that. He belongs at a strip club. Just he, like is, he is making it rain and believing that these club. chicks are in love with him. He is probably the patron saint of strip clubs, <laughs> at least in the Church of England. Um, <laughs> from his father, Henry VII, who we nice. talked about briefly— Completely different king. He Was he like a decent human being? I mean, as much as a king can be, but he didn't have six wives. Yeah, so. <laughs> comparison to the eighth. Yeah, I mean, or it junior the, the scale. Eighth. Yeah, it's t- oh, God, juniors. <laughs> uh, his kingdom was pretty stable when it came to the economy. He didn't have grand mm-hmm. weddings, you know, every two months. Uh, <laughs> and... Or in the closet. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't have 18 palaces. Uh, So it's a very stable economy. And he has a giant treasury waiting for Henry VIII. It Mm. was estimated at around $400 million. Inheritance mean? It's a treasury for the kingdom. Which is? Like where they can spend their money from. The kingdom has this much money, not just Henry. Oh, okay. Their budget. But the, the king is so connected to the kingdom so connected to the state at this point that it's pretty much yeah an inheritance okay so what did i feel like you explained that to me like oscars like explain the michael scott like the surplus or whatever yeah yeah. (laughs) all right so you're setting up a lemonade stand um throughout periods of heavy spending my eyes did a like a whatever you know what is it uh 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 fuck who's that uh uh uh, 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 the Austrian guy, the um, oh, Freudian slip. Yeah, that my, guy. My Freudian slip. Is was, that a person or is it what? Are you yeah, talking about? the Freud guy. Uh, okay, the, I was not joking. But my Freudian slip would have been through periods of Henry spending, but it says heavy spending because they're pretty much <laughs> synonymous at this point. Uh, through periods of heavy spending and gross mismanagement of funds, <laughs> Henry the Ace reign is often thought of as a total financial disaster. <laughs> this was a quote I found. So this is what he's spending his inheritance on. Uh, weddings. Weddings, but Wars. also Henry took great pride in showing off his collection of weapons, oh, which God. included exotic archery equipment, 2,000 
250 <laughs> pieces of land ordnance, so cannons. So he's like too fat to wield a sword, so he got archery shit. He, he got like arch- probably crossbows or he whatever. He got crossbows. Is that, is that still considered archery? Yeah. Okay. I'm. I hope so, or else we're gonna have a lot of archery nerds. <laughs> that on reminds our ass. me of like just like really weird nerds that just like no no like there's cool people that like you know like Love Renaissance archery. Fair that like you know do a sword wheel in our yeah and all, but there's just those other weird kind of like people that just collect way too many swords. That I they feel put on that their, like mantle. <laughs> I used to work for one of those people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think he you was, told me about that. Wasn't uh, that guy in debt because he had swords? He had. He was our Jimmy yes, John's manager. He was my manager at Jimmy John's, <laughs> and he. Wanted to buy a second car because he had a shitty car and he wanted to buy a second shitty car. But he but had bad credit. He had bad credit because he had debt on custom swords. Not even like <laughs> like real collectible, authentic swords. You know, this is from the 1500s or whatever. Yeah. It was custom that swords. That would be cool. That, that would be cool. cool. And I could understand a little bit of debt because maybe you buy it now yeah. and you're like, 10 years from now it's going to yeah. appreciate or whatever no no one wants these fucking swords that are yeah. custom made <laughs> that cause you to go into debt and so, there is a difference going back to it like if you actually are a person that practices that and i think i remember this guy that i you were talking about that guy definitely did not practice wielding swords he got so many custom swords because he was super <laughs> into video games fantasy <laughs> games but so it's the over 2000 pieces of land ordnance so cannons and nice. 6,500 handguns. I mean, I would be okay with that. Just a, he has a small armory like, for himself that he he likes to show off. He, not he, saying I'm into guns, but just having medieval just like shit like a that. A bunch of shit cool. like that. Mm-hmm. It would be cool. I mean, yeah, like it, you couldn't even use the argument for self-defense because it, <laughs> it takes 10 minutes to load and shoot. I just wish I had a cannon. That would be yeah. really cool. Oh, man. <laughs> even if it's just mounted on the outside, yeah. that would be a great homeowner <laughs> association's fight. There's nothing in the bylaws that says I can't have a cannon on yeah. my property. <laughs> We're gonna have to confiscate that from yeah. you. Good luck. Yeah, like, you and what army, bruh? Yeah, and like you, you just think you can just haul this it? away? <laughs> I think there was an episode of Pawn Stars where someone tries to sell a cannon that can fire a bowling ball. Nice. And like they fire it, and then everyone's like, "I don't want that." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after showing off all of his cannons and guns, he inherits it in the early 1500s. There, mm-hmm. by the mid 1520s, less than. 15 years into Henry's reign, Henry has already neared the bottom of that surplus left by his father. Oh, my. So he burned through $400 million in less than 15 years. Well, you actually did the math for that? Well, so it was the equivalent, like, they estimated what it was worth. Yeah. And then it was estimated to be about $400 million worth. And then by 1520, judging by future actions coming up here, he was starving for money. And it, oh. it wasn't just weddings. It wasn't just, it was everything. It was <laughs> his ostentatious fashion. It, it was crazy. It's so <laughs> much. Uh, because he's nearing the bottom of this money here, Henry had to turn to Parliament during his reign, during mm-hmm. his time as king, for money. In particular, for grants of subsidies to fund his war. So he's asking <laughs> for subsidies to fund wars that he is fighting that he cannot afford to fight. The reaction, so because they them playing along with this, mm-hmm. Parliament and royal courtiers and Henry together, his spending set the stage for large-scale economic calamity near the end of his reign and would plague the kingdom for decades. <laughs> so he screwed over he, so everyone, just he, everyone. 
on top of all the wedding stuff. This is why yeah. I needed to add dimension to him. You think he's just a terrible <laughs> husband, but in reality, he's a terrible everything, yeah. pretty much. This set the stage for what is called, this is what it's called, quote, the great debasement. <laughs> debasement? Debasement, not the basement, <laughs> debasement. And what debasing ah. is, is when they dilute what a piece of currency is worth. Okay. So this happens in 1544. That's near the end of Henry's life. Uh, that's why I'm talking about this now, because it's happening near the end it's of... bad hell. Someone's got to check his shit for him. Oh, my... He, it says, is, he a, is he a bachelor right now? No. At this point, I believe he might be married to his final wife, but I'm... We we're not going into that? I'm sick of... I'm sick of it! <laughs> uh, so it's... Just sick and tired hearing, like, this. you're one all, of your friends, like, relationship not, issues. I'm, I the just same thing I, over and over again. I just don't want him to hurt another one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just don't want him to do it. Yeah. Uh, so overspending <laughs> by Henry to pay for his lavish lifestyles and his foreign wars with France and Scotland, which we will be getting into, Whew. are seen as the main reason for the debasement of the English currency. So like I was kind of saying, debasement is when, you know, this say, said gold piece is worth this much, mm -hmm. but now the same currency, it's, the, it's supposed to be the same value, but it's made with a little bit less precious metals. Okay. Yeah, so this is before paper. So yeah. you think gold coins, mm -hmm. like this is a gold dollar or whatever. Mm -hmm. It has a certain amount of gold in it. Yeah. When a currency is debased, future pieces coming out both so pieces making... are worth gold they're both worth a dollar but the older one has more gold in it and the second one has less gold so in the it. new currency is just less valuable valuable okay. yes they're trying to make more of the currency because they don't have enough of it ah. by making it worth less so wouldn't they have more of it wait wouldn't that be inflation or not at all it's <sighs> i yeah in okay. a sense <laughs> it is it's purposely kind of in inflation but it's not valuing the money. I don't know. Imagine the Always Sunny episode where they try and make their own currency. <laughs> I don't even know if I watched that. That one where they always go. Because I was thinking like Germany in World War One, World War Two. Oh yeah, where they, where they made have, more money. Yeah, it between was, the it two wars. And, wor yeah. yeah, they could make wallpapers out of it. Yeah, and it's it was becoming worthless, and they actually had to burn it so it stay warm. And so he anyway. He, yeah. Uh, Henry, he had already raised large amounts of money through mm -hmm. the dissolution of the monasteries. Part of the English Reformation that I didn't really get into because it's a whole nother rabbit hole is he would dissolve a lot of old monasteries that held land or a lot of valuables. He just was like, nope, not a monastery anymore. Break that shit down. Mine now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, not surprisingly, made a lot of people who used to use, say, monasteries for religion or a job mm -hmm. were not a fan of that uh <laughs> he was selling off the crown's land and then he also raised taxes oh. so he is doing everything who is super desperate for money is doing raise taxes sell everything we have take things that we don't have to sell off to more people so wait if he's raising taxes like if he has no money like i feel like the like the people that he that he's ruled under don't even have money either yeah no that these are not people that have a lot to scrounge up yeah. for taxes <laughs> and people at this time i think we mentioned in one episode killed like two tax collectors after the fact because they held them responsible for taxes being you know collected uh 
So I feel like raising taxes here is probably not a great idea. <laughs> but however, after doing all this shockingly, he still needed money. They were like, just stop invading everybody. Yeah. Just one. Please stop. So May 1542. So this is around the same time we finished last week. Last week, I believe we finished at the beginning of 1542, like the execution took place in February. Uh, this is May 1542. So a couple weeks, a couple months later, Hish, Hishri... That's, a, that's an interesting... <laughs> history. History. Uh, Henry issues a secret indenture where... I, I think that's like a secret memo or whatever. Mm. Whereby he ordered... Yeah, that, yeah, it's a secret issue or whatever. Where he ordered that the amount of gold and silver within the country's coinage, so the coins, be secretly reduced. So how I was saying the gold, like this one piece is has more gold in it but it's mm -hmm. now it, when it was made it was worth a dollar and now this piece has less gold in it but still is said to be worth a dollar he's yeah. doing that but he's not telling anyone that they're doing it uh. which if there's anyone who here is in a you know currencies and stuff like that not saying the value of your currency is like whoa that's mm -hmm. a great way to you know not have a lot of trust in your currency <laughs> so they are secretly reducing it it gets even fucking crazier for the next two years, so from 1542 to 1544, yeah. these newly minted debased coins, the ones that, were, that have less real you know, precious metals in them, were stockpiled in the jewel tower at the Palace of Westminster, so like the fancy hoity-toity palace everyone goes to, mm -hmm. while normal based coins, they're, they're phrased as based, so... The based coins that are just normal, so they have the normal amount of gold and precious metals in them, uh, continue to be produced. So there's like two production lines, one with the right amount of precious metals in them, one that are secretly less than. And the ones that are being secretly produced are just taken away to a secret room just to be stockpiled for the right moment. Mm -hmm. uh, May 1544. It's two years of production here. A lack of precious metals arriving at the mint, so they could no longer get as many precious metals, uh, prompted the government to issue the secret order thing and allow the debased coins to enter into circulation without telling the general public. Okay, but the, they would know it somehow at some point, right? That's where this Ooh. part comes in. So that is May 1544. They are now unleashing the tainted <laughs> coins. So the people are, I'm guessing, the, the people are going to notice first is the ones who are affected by it first. It, you are spot on, my woo! friend, because two months later... I'm smart for once. Yeah, woo! <laughs> Where's what? that gold star, damn I was, it? I was just about to say, I should have like a <laughs> celebratory bell. Like, ding! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but two months later, July 1544, merchants in the Netherlands, so like you were saying, people who deal with this shit all the time. Oh, this is other... Oh, that's not good. This is not good. Because Merchant. if he's like Kane telling his people to fuck off, deal with it, that's... Oh, yeah. God. Because so, now... And the other thing is now it's starting to get outside England as well. Okay. Because currency just doesn't stay in one place. Mm -hmm. And especially at this time, you know, all the different places. So uh, <laughs> merchants in the Netherlands, technically modern-day Belgium, but at this time I think it was the Spanish Netherlands. Okay. Uh, and other places in Europe discover that these newly minted silver pieces had become debased they mm. weren't worth as much and began offering a lower price for them so they had basically two months of we're getting away with this and now shit is starting to hit the fan <laughs> uh 
there was a policy introduced in 1544, sorry, under the order of Henry VIII to limit the amount of precious metals in the gold and silver coins minted by the crown. And in some cases, it replaced all the precious metals entirely with cheaper base metals such as copper. So it's just a full, you know, three-card Monty at this point. That's not actually <laughs> what it is. Uh, during the debasement, and this is as nerdy as we're going to get, but it, it mm-hmm. just shows you how brazen he is. Uh, during the <laughs> debasement, gold standards dropped from the standard of 23 carats for gold yeah. to as low as 20 carats, which is a good deal. Okay. While silver was reduced <laughs> from 92.5% sterling silver to just 25. Oh, damn. So more that is a almost, drop. That is so much. That Even is the almost, base can't drop that low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pace. I, I'm, I'm glad that <laughs> you said that joke and not me at this point. Uh, that is a ridic- That is almost 70% reducing in how just valuable those things yeah. are, at least for the precious metals-wise. Uh, by the time of Elizabeth's reign, his daughter, in 1558, the quality of England's coinage had already been greatly affected, and it affected the confidence in the monarchy as well. <laughs> how it said earlier this is going to so he screwed it for his daughter for too how it said plagued for decades to come this oh. is his daughter's reign as well as the country's trading relations with foreign merchants who would refuse to accept the debased currency's payment wait did his daughter have like like have to take the heat for this she didn't take the heat but okay. still years people were after, smart enough to know that it was her, like his her dad's mistake kind of, so at this point because i wouldn't still, be surprised if people's like oh blame elizabeth blame her for <laughs> yeah. this i think it's more so it was still so many years later people still didn't trust the english currency i mean yeah like which like, <laughs> still happens but they were kind so, of right too yeah yeah they, they were ahead of their time there so <laughs> he's having economic financial disasters all Mm. these disasters because of wars so let's get into some wars here Mm, and uh i was very surprised with i i didn't expect such a great story here i didn't expect me i know me oh wow yes uh so you're making it up i'm not making it up i am I didn't expect this to happen, but I'm so glad. We don't, but we can't make this shit up. We can't make this shit up. We don't, there, but we just can't. We can't. Uh, and that barely beat out the other uh, motto that I had, which was Thomas Cromwell's, one of his finest words, which is, I'm trying my best. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad one. Yeah, that one, it's pretty great. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to catch up with an old friend of ours from a couple episodes ago, Antonio de Rincon. Now, mm. if you think back a couple episodes ago, I know you're like, who is this guy? This was the ambassador from France to the okay. Ottoman court who presented the sultan with that really, really expensive hat that they <laughs> never used. This is the same guy? This is the same man. Nice. So he is <laughs> uh, traveling. So it's 1541, so it's a couple years after the hat. And okay. the first couple he's of not traveling with the hat. No longer has the hat. <laughs> Maybe the hat is just in storage at this yeah. point, collecting like, dust. Could you travel and wear that? I mean, could you just even wear that in general? Yeah, I feel like you need a parade to just hold the hat <laughs> up. It was so large, and to make sure it doesn't get dirty. So he is traveling back from Constantinople uh, through Venice, 
for his duties as an ambassador. It's 1541. January 1541, he arrives in Venice mm. uh, after a storm-filled journey there, and he met up with Lorenzo Gritti, Gritti, uh, a son of the well-respected Venetian doge, Andrea Gritti, and the doge was the like semi-elected leader of the Venetian Empire, mm-hmm. uh, not the meme, the doge. Uh, Wait, I don't even think of oh, it. Like, D-O-G-E. Oh, that, oh it's the cur- spelled yeah, the same way. It's the currency the, thing? Yeah, it's spelled the same way. That works with this. Yes. <laughs> and also a son from the doge of Genoa, uh, another leader of Genoa, mm-hmm. uh, their prime family, a Cesar Fregosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Italian names right now. So the three of them, Andre, Cesar, and Antonio here, the three of them go from Venice to Paris during a dangerous time that I saw a quote as this, quote, in those times of jealousy and division. That's, I guess, how they described war-torn Europe. Jealousy and division. I'm jealous. <laughs> and it would be a very treacherous journey going there. So it's July 4th. 1941. Nice. Yeah, they're celebrating America's Independence Day. About three, they're like about three, two hundred and something years. Mm-hmm. This, this shit is going to be popping now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're just pre-gaming. Yeah, they're pre-gaming hard. <laughs> they're pre-gaming so hard that Rincon and Cesar, the <laughs> Fregosa guy, they are found outside of Turin, Italy, murdered by imperial troops. Oh, shit, they were killed? They were killed by of the Holy Roman Empire. Damn. So the rival or the enemy of France and the Ottomans, so it was troops of the Holy Roman Empire. They kill these two men. Like you, wouldn't want, you wouldn't never want to mess with those guys. Everyone seems to be messing with the wrong people. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a two-way street here. So Charles, our old friend Charles of uh, the Holy Roman Empire, mm-hmm. uh, Charles Habsburg, he denied all responsibility, but promised to conduct an inquiry with the assistance of the Pope. It wasn't my fault, but I'll figure this stuff out, guys. <laughs> you know, I've got it from here on out. Uh, I did my best. <laughs> I did my best. And he used that same Pope that uh, would go back and forth, it seemed, between the two, uh, between him and Francis. You remember when they were doing their negotiations and they hated themselves so much they couldn't be in the same room. Oh, so the Pope oh. would run back and forth between the rooms. <laughs> I assume it's the same Pope. Uh, this probably was not a random attack as Rincon, the ambassador from France, mm-hmm. had been in close contact with the Ottoman Sultan again about the French and the Ottoman Empire reuniting their alliance in their mutual hatred of Charles and the Holy Roman Empire. Mm. They're like, maybe if we kill this guy, they won't be allies anymore, because that's totally how (laughs) this works. While many other factors had been going on in the background between the two giant empires, France and the Holy Roman Empire, the killing of Rincon, this guy that we had talked about, is often described as the pretext or the kind of first domino in line mm-hmm. for the Italian War of 1542. They're backfighting again uh, in the larger Franco-Habsburg conflict. So that last time France and Italy went to war, yeah. it's a larger conflict of 
a couple pretty much hundred years of them just every couple years going to war with each other. Okay, they so just, they just want to keep going at it. They'll always find a reason to go to mm, war with each okay. other. They'll like because <laughs> the last time it was like you didn't impregnate that teenager. We need that kingdom, so we're just gonna send everyone. This time it was you murdered an ambassador. Let's get this shit. Rocking. Oh yeah. So the war is about to come, but Charles has a little bit of a stalling tactic going on real quick. Charles is looking at invading the north of Africa. Uh, okay. So, so going across the Mediterranean and uh, expanding into Africa to bring his kingdom, you know, if you can get it off Europe, people are like, this guy's hot shit. Mm. Uh, so he is looking at this, and by the end of September 1541, preparations for an invasion were moving off the coast of Spain. So he was kind of moving. He was getting his shit prepared. Francis of France, Francis considered it impolite to attack a fellow Christian who was, who was fighting Muslims. So he promised not to declare war for as long as Charles was campaigning in Africa. And he's like, I know I hate you, but at least you're Christian. So I'll okay. give you a couple weeks. I'll give you a couple weeks. Wait, week. wait, wait, wait. So France... So France, the, the king of France, yep. said, although I want to avenge my ambassador's murder uh -huh. by invading you, the fact that you are m invading a Muslim oh, country oh, okay. in like Africa, because you're doing that and I'm a fellow Christian, I can't attack you until you finish that. Okay. Yeah. So that was a personal choice. Kind of a personal choice, kind of a religious. Oh, uh, Okay. A really weird courtesy. Okay, so I'll no. let you do your thing. Just let me know when you're yeah. done so we can go back but at I, it. But I'm only letting you do that thing because they're Muslim. Okay. If you were invading a fellow Christian, <laughs> I'd be on your ass. Oh, that's fucked. Yeah, that's why, <laughs> yes. So uh, this was in part also to give... Actually, that's, that's like his opportunity to go. Like, damn. Well, and this is where Charles kind of uses it to his advantage as uh, he sees this as some time to prepare for a war with France. He's like, oh, okay. you're not going to attack me as long as I'm doing that? Cool. The attack was on Algiers mm -hmm. in, I think, Tunisia today, or maybe it's in Algeria, but Algiers was controlled by uh, Hassan Aga, just A-G-H-A, so mm. pretty much if you uh, kind of butt text someone and you just press <laughs> letters real quick, that's, that's his last name. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aga. Aga. Yeah. And he is a man described as a Sardinian renegade mm -hmm. and a eunuch. You know a eunuch? I think so. Wait, is then like, wait, wait, uh, I'm going to be way off when we ask like someone that's sick or not well? Of. There are men who castrate themselves. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> that is sick. <laughs> yes. Yes. He castrated him, and that's how he's been described. So who knows if he actually did? But he's a Sardinian rebel, so the the island of Sardinia in the Mediterranean. He's a renegade from there, and he doesn't have a penis. Those are the two <laughs> most significant details about this man. Uh, September twenty eighth, fifteen forty one. Uh, Charles departs from the coast of Spain for Algeria with a fleet estimated at about 500 ships and 24,000 soldiers. So this is a little bit of a sizable invasion force. Nice. Uh, this date 
was late in the season. We've kind of talked about it before, but mm-hmm. at this time, like you, a while ago, yeah. Uh, when we just talk sailing about sa- the season, yeah, sa- yeah, well, sailing at this time, we've mentioned at least and for a long while, and still to this day, is seasonal based. If you're going on a long trip, you have to think about weather for mm-hmm. that. Uh, so this was late in the season for this tra- uh, to travel across the Mediterranean. And this was because of troubles and issues in northern Germany Charles had to deal with. He's like, all right, let me get this stuff done at the home, and then I'll come down to Spain and help you guys invade Algiers. Let's do this. Some Muslims got to go down. (laughs) Uh, Because they left late, uh, this fleet hit troublesome weather as they crossed the Mediterranean. Oh, they just lost a bunch of guys, did they? Uh, Kind of. It's more when they get there. Not only was Charles himself on this expedition and leading it, <laughs> but along with him were a number of the most noteworthy commanders in the kind of Habsburg Empire, including one fellow. His name is Hernan Cortez, the man who destroyed Mexico. He is the conquistador. That we haven't talked about him, right? We haven't talked about him on our stuff, but uh, he is the conquistador who walked into the Aztec capital and took Montezuma hostage. He is on this expedition. Oh, God. He is on this expedition now. And I thought I just mentioned that because that's fucking weird. And this like, is before or after? This is way after. This is like okay. 30 years later. Oh, so he's okay. like starting to become an old man. <laughs> and he is on this expedition. I assume just to watch, uh, but he is a destroyer of Okay. So the fleet arrives. They left at the end of uh, September. The fleet arrives uh, outside Algiers, the city at least. Algiers is kind of like we talked about Malacca. There's Mm -hmm. the city, and then there's the like political state. The city might just extend beyond, like the state will extend beyond the city. So they're outside the city of Algiers. That's just the town. They're like, look at these buildings. And that's on October 19th. And with the troops disembarking onto the shores a few days later. They, I assume, just hung out on the ships for three days. And like, what do we do now? Just hang out. We got more people coming in. Let's just hang out. Take a day off. Hang out. Don't fall overboard. That's all you got to do. So they, they're setting up on the beaches. It's the kind of end of October here. And Charles begins to arrange his troops in preparation for taking the capital. And he's like, I'm going to take this. Uh, the forces comprised of German, Italian, and Spanish troops with, I saw, along with 150 Knights of Malta. I guess they stopped by Malta and were like, we got some mm-hmm. 150 of you guys, come on board. Um, so bringing people on the way. Yeah, they brought some tourists. There was a couple, <laughs> there was an American couple there. Got some there. pictures, yeah. some selfies. And <laughs> American tourists with their t-shirts and their sunglasses. Uh, when the troops uh, were only partially moved onto the land, so they were only about halfway fully disembarking because there are 24,000 mm-hmm. of them. Uh, the weather that they had sailed in front of, that troublesome weather, caught up with them uh, <laughs> and began to greatly disrupt the disembarkment. So when it's so they're just trying to get on land. They're just trying to get on land at this point. Heavy rains and winds caused galley ships offshore to lose anchors and ships <laughs> on the shore to be wrecked. And it's estimated around 40 ships were lost because of this. <laughs> so almost 10% of their fleet was just destroyed. <laughs> just because of bad weather. Just because of bad weather. So they like made it like a day before. They probably would have been fine. Yeah. Or how long does it take to like, actually, it would probably take a while to get like how many ships like to. It was 
five hundred ships. So that's probably to get on land. Yeah, to get on it took days. And they all have to spread out. Yeah, (laughs) there's twenty four thousand people. Even you get in in close, spread out and meet up in one area. Yeah, uh, all along the. But if like you're at the very end of the ship, it's like oh fuck, I forgot. Yeah, your wallet. You're the the farthest (laughs) one away. You're like oh god. Uh, Gotta go back, guys. Just give me a minute. (laughs) It'll be a while here. As more and more troops hurriedly tried to get on the land, Mm because they were like, oh, shit. Algier and more troops ran in and attacked the vulnerable forces when they're kind of already disrupted and disorganized. Mm -hmm. They're now being attacked, and it is described as a slaughter. (laughs) At one point, Charles was almost fully surrounded by troops, with only the Knights of Malta protecting and saving his life. <laughs> so they're just hacking and slashing, protecting the, the people king. they brought along the way. He's like, I knew I chose you guys for a reason. <laughs> uh, famed Genoese statesman and admiral that had somehow got involved in this fiasco, the Andre Dora, or Andrea Dora, had found a new port about five miles away from the city. Mm-hmm. and led the remaining fleet that hadn't disembarked to this port. They're like, let's just get the fuck out of here and figure out what we're going to do next. <laughs> uh, Dora entirely <laughs> disapproved of the whole invasion from the beginning. <laughs> the whole time, he was like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> and then he was entirely right. Wait, was this this guy? This again? is... The like other admiral who is on the expedition with okay. Charles, he's like the <laughs> kind of second in command. Uh, so in contact with Charles, Dora nudged him, Charles, mm-hmm. to abandon his current position and regroup with Dora in the safer and more defended spot that he had found. Mm. Uh, even though it was dangerous, Charles was more than willing to get away from being surrounded and having more military support so he's like you guys are doing great here i'm gonna head out so he didn't do what he said no he did he, oh, he, he fled okay, yeah, he yeah. escaped so he just left his guys yeah he left the, the knights of malta and he's like i got somewhere else to be thanks for saving me but bye now bye now yeah uh distract him i'm gonna go this way I'm gonna, you you duck left i'm gonna go right you guys are doing great you yeah. got this got this with the weather showing no signs of letting up because there's all bad weather going on mm-hmm. here Charles and his troops then moved to the Spanish control part of. I saw it was just written as Bougie. That's mm. the town name is just Bougie. Really? I mean, it's B O U G I E, so it's Bougie. Ah, so, ah, town ev- of Bougie. Everyone's driving Range Rovers and has Louis Vuitton purses. Uh, so they're in this Spanish controlled port in Algeria, or in Algeria called Bougie. Uh, the earliest the fleet could enter the open sea safely. Uh, would be in late November, mm. making them a sitting target for the Algiers force to come get them. Oh. They're like, we are just fucked. Um, <laughs> we are not good. Not wanting to take any risks, Charles began a policy of throwing all of his horses and large heavy objects overboard <laughs> and lightening the load of the remaining ships. He is throwing horses in the water. Over, yeah, overboard. Oh my god! I need to get out of here. Oh my god! Can horses swim? I don't. I mean, probably <laughs> not in the Mediterranean. Yeah. I mean, probably to <laughs> shore. Uh, oh my he god! Also, bastard. 
horses weren't the only thing he removed. He removed the heaviest object that he could. Cannons? No, the large majority of his troops, as he abandoned his troops as he sailed home for southeast Spain. He just told people to get off board. He just left them. He just abandoned them. He was like, bye, motherfuckers. Oh, my God. Uh, and he reached Europe in early December. <laughs> he, so, so how long is this whole event? So this is a month or so in total completion from him leaving Spain to him coming back <laughs> entirely defeated. <laughs> it is almost unanimously Did they even thought, fight at all? Or? They didn't even, like, they got ambushed, like, once and then fled. <laughs> this was not a battle. I didn't call it a battle or an invasion because it's neither. They, they didn't even get off the beach. They didn't even get the beach. Uh, they couldn't handle weather. <laughs> yeah, they, they got fucked by weather. Uh, it is unanimously thought that this entire operation <laughs> was a complete disaster for Charles, not just in this short term, but also in the long term. <laughs> well, Paul, you just remember to check your weather app check, before yeah, check, you go check your weather on app. an invasion. <laughs> so that's a good that's a good top tip to have. Always check your weather app before you invade. So in the short term, at least, over 140 ships were lost in the conflict over 20 percent uh but it that is nothing to the estimated 17,000 men that were lost from fighting and abandonment <laughs> he it is said that 12,000 of those 17,000 came from massacres inflicted by the local berber tribes of the area after he abandoned them <laughs> he abandoned almost 12,000 people jeez this is ridiculous. This is one of the most ridiculous things I read. Okay. So many of Charles's troops were taken captive that there was an influx of slaves on the market <laughs> in Algiers in that year. It was said to be the year where Christians were sold for the price of an onion per head. That oh. was a quote I found. Oh. They took you're so worth an many onion. Yeah, you're worth an onion. <laughs> <laughs> because of him and he abandoned you uh in the long and that was just short term in the long term because wasn't like going to war at that time just like gamble it was it was so much different than we think about it nowadays mm -hmm. it was seasonal yeah like a large part of it was seasonal as they're like i'm a farmer 90 percent of the year when i'm not fighting i yeah. have crops <laughs> that if i don't get back there so many people in this country you are going to like suck. invest in your own stuff too and just hope you like make money once you get out of it. <laughs> it local investment kind of stuff. Oh, that, <laughs> and that was a big thing the like Greeks and Romans. Yeah, I was did, thinking Romans. Uh how they started to have professional soldiers who like I'm not a farmer. I just fight and kill. Mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> here we are. Uh, so in the long term, multiple fleets and thousands of troops were just lost for no gain. There was nothing that they gained. They only lost these troops and these ships. Only defeat. Uh, <laughs> also, you know that war he was trying to delay for as long as he could? Yeah. Uh, he only delayed it about a month or two oh, because God. of how long that defeat and took. Henry lost his army. He Or n not Henry, Charles. Henry's going to lose a lot of ships. Oh. Charles, uh, yeah, this is Charles. This is the German guy. Uh his invasion force here. He's an also a giant asshole. Okay. Um, and these failed invasions, 
because what he was trying to attack was a Muslim state. Mm-hmm. You know who also is a Muslim state? What? The Ottoman Empire, who France was just trying to reignite their ally, their alliance with. Oh. <laughs> uh, so this was a great kind of fuel to renew the alliance between Wait, France. France was trying to be France was trying with... to get with the Ottomans, and the Ottomans are Muslim. Okay. Charles just invaded a Muslim state who's really close to the, Did the Ottomans. Ottomans just like not care? No, or? they cared. That and they were so pissed off about this. So France is trying to be buddy buddy with the Ottomans and the Ottomans are like no. No, the Ottomans are na- now that they hear about this, yeah. now that they hear that Charles invaded a Muslim state. Yeah. They hear this alliance ship with France and they're like fuck yeah let's do this oh, let's take okay. down charles now. okay you, he so i thought i heard her first yeah, yeah. then i thought I'm i misheard and then i yes. realized i was right at first early 1542 mm-hmm. france is already coordinating with the ottomans and their other allies for the incoming declaration of war they're like this is about to happen let's okay. uh Let's France get is doing this well. I guess they they, they let, literally just sat there. Yeah, I was about to say. That I'm not sure if they're doing it well when they just let their enemy just destroy themselves yeah. with a dumbass move. But I guess they were like, "Hey, wait, they did what? Yeah, really? The, All on their own? The weather? <laughs> nice. You guys, I think we got a, more than a chance. Guys, I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Ah. July twelfth, fifteen forty two. France declares war on Charles and the Holy Roman Empire, naming various instances for the cause. Mm. Among them was Rincon's murder, uh, our ambassador, which Francis proclaimed, quote, an injury so great, so detestable, and so strange to those who bear the title and quality of prince that it cannot be in any way forgiven suffered or endured i would like to know how many men his armies have slaughtered so before you get all righteous on us dude take a second take a second (laughs) other reasons lay in personal disputes over titles as we know pretty much from the last time as well as avenging other allies lost battles against the Habsburgs. so you killed, you know, my allies, people at this battle. I'm going to avenge this. Mm-hmm. So here are the two s- sides. You can think of it as the two sides. Okay. Here. The French so, side. The French side. French side is France, the Ottoman Empire, and Julik Cleavesburg. That is actually ruled. It's a person? No, it's a territory. Okay. But that is actually Versus ruled. territory. It's in Germany, and we're actually familiar with it because it is ruled by Anne of Cleves' brother, William the First, ah, Willie the Rich. Okay. Uh, we briefly mentioned him, but so he is now al- uh, aligning himself with France. Okay. Uh, on the other side, the Habsburgs, the uh, Charles's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's three allies. It's the Holy Roman Empire, his big old thing. Okay. Spain and England. Really. And okay. that's where we come in with our, you know, history. It wasn't just me ranting about dumbass <laughs> Charles, which I really could. <laughs> What's up, all my kings, queens, and everyone in betweens? This is Paul from Back Row Lessons. This episode, Nolan and I ran a little long, so we wanted to give you guys digestible episodes here. We came to a great halfway point at this moment, so this episode is going to finish up here. Later this week, the second half of this episode will be coming out, and if you think this first half has been a disaster and filled with craziness, you have not seen what's coming 
next. Again, later this week, second half of this episode. We'll see you then. Thank you.